Well, good morning to everybody. Happy, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you. Hey, in honor of the holiday falling on a Sunday, it's, it's only appropriate that we do this. Turn to the person on your right and just kind of give them a little wink. Now turn to the person on your left and give them a big old wet kiss. Depending on who you're sitting next to, right? That's going to turn out one of two ways. For some, like Kim, love stinks, right? Literally, literally. So glad you're here with us, especially if it's your first time. Maybe your first time in a long time. God is moving in incredible ways in this church, and we want you to come along for the ride. Uh, as Ryan said, fill out that card for us. If you're visiting, turn it into the Welcome Center. Get a mug. Get some more information about this church, how you can be a part of it. We're just so glad that you are here uh, this morning. Thanks to Nathan for holding down the pulpit for me the last couple of weeks. I actually got to spend the last couple of weeks traveling. I got some pictures here from my trips. Uh, it was an interesting couple of weeks. Got to banter back and forth a little with these two. That was wild. Not sure if you saw me during the, uh, during the halftime show, but, uh, but I also enjoyed, enjoyed some time with some friends. And then Peyton, I mean, good man. He's like, why don't you come up and enjoy this moment with me? So, uh, so I thought I would. And then actually I decided to go back to California. Actually, I lost a bet to John, and that's why I had to put this picture up there. Uh, I was not traveling. I was actually spending the last couple of weeks prepping for our upcoming sermon series, Limitless. Uh, next week, we'll be starting a 13-week series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm super excited to preach on a topic that, that most of us have probably not studied in great detail before. And whether you are aware of it or not, the Holy Spirit wants to and actually has the power to completely change your life as well as this church. And so we're going to ask him to do just that over the next 13 weeks. You're not going to want to miss it. Come next week uh, and make sure that you bring someone with you. Be praying now even about who you can invite to join you on that. Before we go into that series, though, we need to finish this series. We need to wrap up our renewed series and our study of Daniel. Now, some of you might be thinking, wrap up, finish. Uh, Thomas, not sure if you know this, but Daniel has 12 chapters, and we're only going to cover six of them. Well, yes, I do know that, but if you know anything about the first six chapters, they are child's play, at least for preachers, uh, when compared to the next six chapters. Uh, The lion's den and the fiery furnace, they are nothing when compared to the visions and the dreams that Daniel has. And so, although I don't normally shirk away from a contest or a difficult thing, although I don't normally take the easy way out, I'm going to today. So we wrap up Daniel today, and we'll just ask Nathan to do the next six chapters this summer. He's on the winter retreat, so he can't disagree. You go ahead and hold him to that, okay? Hold him to that. Let me pray for us, and we'll dive into uh, God's word this morning. Father, we have proclaimed already this morning in song, and we hope that we truly believe it in our hearts, that you are God, that you are good, that you love us, and that you are working out all things for us, Father. Uh, Reveal yourself to us this morning. Speak to us, God. As if you're just sitting right next to us, uh, just, just whisper some words to us, God, words that will bring us life and that will change our lives. Uh, make it so now. Join us in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Daniel, the book we've been studying since the beginning of the year, is a story about 10,000 young people, uh, 10,000 men actually, who were taken captive by this evil nation called Babylon. But instead of being sent to their death in Babylon, they were actually sent to Babylon State University. They were sent to a Babylon boot camp, if you would. Instead of being incarcerated, they were indoctrinated. And King Nebuchadnezzar tried to make them Babylonian. He tried to take them from who they were and what they knew and what they believed and to change all of that and make them Babylonian. And the book of Daniel is about four young men who we get to walk through all of these things with hand in hand. 
Now, although these guys lived thousands of years ago, what's amazing is this story actually speaks to us today because their story, it shows us and it tells us what it looks like to fear God, what it looks like to follow God in a culture that's more or less forgotten about God. And that's especially true here in chapter six. All right, if you described someone as being full of it, chances are you wouldn't have a whole lot of respect or admiration for that person. Am I right? Saying that someone is full of it typically, typically means that you think they are full of shenanigans. You like what I did right there? Yeah. Yeah, I worked hard on that. And I laughed out loud in the office when the Lord gave that one to me. All right, anyway. Despite the fact, though, that that phrase has extremely negative connotations, you don't want to be full of it. Actually, God does want his people to be full of it. Let me explain. In Acts 6, the early church ran into a problem. There were so many new Christians, so many new converts, that there was also a lot of new problems. It was a good problem to have, but it was still a problem nonetheless. And so the 12 disciples, they didn't have the ability or the time to minister to everybody and to, and to meet all their needs. So they selected a new group of individuals, a new group of men and women to serve alongside of them. And there was only one requirement to be on this new leadership team. You had to be full of it. Acts 6.5 says this, they chose Stephen as the head, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You see, being full of it's actually a really godly characteristic. Now, we're not talking about being full of hot air or nonsense. We're talking about being full of faith and being full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited to spend the next 13 weeks talking about being full of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I want to talk about what it means to be full of faith. Another way to say that you are full of faith is just to say that you are faithful, or to use the word faithfulness. Faithfulness is an unbreakable allegiance to someone or something. It's a devotion and a dedication that withstands the test of time and stands true through the storms of life. Faithfulness is something you see in the lives of Herbert and Zelmyra Fisher. They hold the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest marriage in history. What do we have, 59 or something like that? 86 years. For Herbert and Zelmyra, they must have been married when they were two. <laughs> Faithfulness is also something you see in the life of Thomas Stoddard. He worked at Speakman Company in Delaware from February of 1928 to August 2008. Eighty years with the same company. That's faithfulness. Although I think Dave Beatty's getting close to the 80-year mark here at West Bowles. So one day his picture will be up there as well. See, faithfulness is what you see in the lives of Herbert and Zelmyra. Faithfulness is something you see in the life of Thomas. Faithfulness is something you see in the life of Daniel. Let me show you what I mean. Daniel chapter 6. A new king has taken over the nation, and Daniel is yet again working for this king. His talents and abilities have been utilized by this king, and Daniel is now kind of at the top of the corporate ladder, if you will. But one day this king is tricked by different individuals to issue a decree. The decree was pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Pray to me, the king said, you will live. Pray to anybody else or anything else and you will die. And not just any old death, but you will be served to the lions for lunch. And it's right after that decree has been issued publicly that we read this. Daniel chapter 6. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. 
So they went to the king and they spoke, him, spoke to him about the royal decree. King, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or any human being except to you, your majesty, well, they will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, well, he pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays to his God three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel. He liked Daniel. He made every effort to save him until sundown. Then it says this, Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, though, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that you have issued can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, may he rescue you right now. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace, and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. He couldn't sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in God. Pretty amazing story, isn't it? It's fun to reenact it during VBS times as well. Anyway. Daniel was about 16 years old when we first met him and read about him in chapter 1. And you probably aren't aware of this, but he is 90 years old here in chapter 6. You see, we tend to read this book as if everything happened in rapid succession, right? Like on Monday, they didn't eat from the king's table. Wednesday was the fiery furnace. Uh, Saturday was the lions. They're like, it's been a tough week for these guys. No, no, their story didn't didn't fall into place over the course of a few days. Their story unfolded over the course of several quarter centuries. In Babylon, Daniel served under seven different kings. He saw two empires rise and fall. Nations came and went. And yet, although everything else around him changed, like like Colorado weather, his faith in God stayed exactly the same. His confidence in God's goodness, his confidence in God's plan remained unshakable, even though everything else was shaking all around him. For his entire life, and even here at the very end of his life, this man is living for God and living out his faith. I love this book. I love this chapter. I love this man because he's just so full of it. He is so full of it. Here he is, a 90-year-old man. As a 90-year-old man, I'm assuming the only thing I'm going to be thinking about is where the best early bird special is here in Littleton and, and where, when my next nap will take place. But not Daniel. At age 90, he's thinking about how to stand up for God and how to stand out for God. Doesn't that fly in the face of our culture? We kind of tell our older generation, like, thanks for your time, thanks for your service, now go take the, the last chapter of your life off. 
Like go get an RV or pick up some random hobby or do whatever you do. No, 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 no. Daniel knew the finish line was so close, so he ran even faster and even harder after it at the very end. I love that. And so, doesn't something deep inside of you want the same thing? I mean, don't you want that same kind of faith, whether you're 16 or 90 or somewhere in between? I mean, I read this story, and it's like when I'm old and when I'm gray, when I'm bald and when I'm decrepit, although a few of those things are kind of already happening, and I just hope, I hope I have that kind of faith. I hope that the same things that were said about Daniel will be said about me. So how? That's the question I want to answer this morning. How did he do it? How did he maintain his faith for so long? And how did it get stronger year after year after year? And how did, it, how did it get even deeper, this faith of his, in a place where people weren't encouraging him to even have faith? Well, chapter 6 answers that question for us as well as the entire book. You see, Daniel understood a few things about faith, what it is and what it is not. And I think it would serve all of us well to, to understand those same things. Let me walk you through them. The first thing Daniel understood is this. Faith is an everyday kind of thing. Faith is everyday. Our oldest daughter, Bailey, her first day of kindergarten last year was rather tough on her. Uh, lots of tears, to say the least. But on the morning of the second day, she woke up pretty happy and pretty excited. Hey, did you sleep good, I asked? Yup. Ready for a new day? Yup. Excited to go back to school? What, she said. You have to go to school every day? <laughs> yup. And the same is true when it comes to being faithful to God, right? It's something you have to do every single day. Did you notice what the king said about Daniel in this chapter? Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually. Oh, that's powerful. That's good. He didn't say, your God, whom you serve occasionally your God whom you serve sporadically your God whom you serve periodically no he said Daniel your God whom you serve continually and when he goes to pray it says that this was his custom this isn't the first day he's ever been on his knees in that window he's done this every single day all right let's say that your life is represented by a one thousand dollar bill and yes, there, there used to be such thing as a $1,000 bill. In fact, there was once a $10,000 bill. Wouldn't that be nice to kind of carry around every once in a while? Like, I've got some loose change on me. I mean, I, can you break a $10,000? Well, we tend to think that a commitment to Christ is taking that $1,000 bill and giving it to Jesus. Be like, okay, here's my life. Here's all I have. I lay it down at your feet all at once. It happens in a moment, right? That's a commitment to Christ. Well, the reality is our life isn't a $1,000 bill. Our life is more like 4,000 quarters. And you're still asked to give them all back to God, but you're asked to do so in 25 and 50 cent increments and intervals over the course of your entire life. So when you listen to the neighbor's kids, instead of being like, get lost already, when you go to a committee meeting and you engage and you speak graciously of other people, when you care for your aging parents, when you give that cup of cold water to someone living on the streets, it all matters because it's all worth something. And it's all part of being faithful today and every day. You see, God wants people to be Christians and, and excited for Jesus and passionate about their faith, not just when they're young, but when they're old. He wants you to be really excited about the church and, and utilizing your gifts and your talents for him. When your kids are young, but also when your kids leave the house. 
He wants you to worship him and praise his name and sing out his songs. He wants you to do that on Sundays. But he wants you to do that every day. See, he wants your faith to be an every day, each and every day, all the time, never take a day off kind of thing. I mean, Daniel lived in Babylon for 75 years. And if you read the beginning of chapter 6, it says they couldn't find one thing wrong with him. They couldn't find one piece of dirt on this guy. Come on, 75 years? Surely there was one raunchy picture out there of Daniel, right? I mean, surely there was one angry tweet that that he wished he would have not sent. Surely there was a video of him crying like a baby and throwing a temper tantrum after he lost the Super Bowl. I mean, surely there is something like that out there for Daniel. No, there wasn't anything out there like that. Do you know why? Because he was faithful every single day. Every single day. He worked out and worked on his faith. And that's how you can be full of it, church. Now, but also at the end of your life. You'll be full of it at the end if you work on being full of it right now, today, each and every day. Faith is an everyday kind of thing. Something else we have to understand about faith is that it's not easy. So it's every day, but it's not easy. Let me ask you a rather deep question. Deserves some honest reflection and honest thought this morning. Why is yawning contagious? Okay, actually, that's not the question, but I am still rather enamored by that. Why is yawning contagious? Isn't that just weird? Anyway, okay, here's the question. What has been the hardest thing you've ever done in life? What's been the hardest thing you've ever done? Think about it for a minute. Look back over your life. What have you gone through? What have you endured? What have you been asked to do? Maybe it was something to do with your health, like losing 30 pounds or running 30 miles. Although Haley runs 30 miles every afternoon, it sounds like. Maybe it was dealing with cancer. Maybe it was going through chemo. Maybe the hardest thing you've ever done is letting go of your past. Or letting go of the anger or the animosity that you had for someone who hurt you in the past. Maybe for you the hardest thing had to do with saying goodbye to a dream. Or to a loved one. Maybe for the short term or maybe forever. For me, silly things come to mind when I think about the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I think about the time when I agreed to be the middle linebacker for my youth football team. Look at me, people. That that didn't turn out so well. I think about the time I asked that senior to the prom when I was just a wee little freshman. Look at me, people. That did turn out pretty well. Just Just kidding, people. That was funny. That was just, all right, anyway. But I think of the serious things in my life, too. I think about running to get help after a car hit my sister and we were jogging on the sidewalk. I think about telling my mentor in Texas that I'd made a huge mistake in moving out there and I didn't want to work for him anymore. I recall the funerals I've officiated for family members and college students who died tragically. Hard things are a part of life, aren't they? But what Daniel's story shows us is that hard things aren't just a part of life, they're a part of faith. They're actually a huge part of what it means to follow God in a culture that's forgotten about God. There's nothing easy about what we're trying to do here, church. There's nothing easy about the words of Jesus. Carry your cross, count the costs, lay down your life. If you want easy, then go join a country club. If you want easy, go be a member of a bowling league. If you want easy, then don't don't be a Christian because it ain't easy. We are partnering with God to bring healing to the broken, to bring hope to the hopeless, and to bring heaven to this earth. That's not easy, but it's good, and it is well worth it. Amen?
Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. And he goes and he just talks about all these guys who were full of it, all these girls who were full of it throughout all of Scripture. And there was so-and-so, and there was so-and-so, and there was so-and-so. And the chapter ends like this, Hebrews eleven thirty-two. 32. What more shall I say? I don't even have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith, I mean, these guys conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. These people, they had weakness turned into strength. They became powerful in battle, and they routed foreign armies. And part of me wants to be like, hoorah! Right? Like, yes! Lions, flames, swords, battles, hard things. That's Daniel's life, isn't it? That's Daniel's legacy. I don't know about you, but I, but I honestly want that to be my legacy as well. Man. At the end of my life, I want you to be able to stand on this stage be like, man, Thomas did a ton of hard things for God. But as it stands right now, I'm, I'm not so sure you can say it. What more shall we say about Thomas? He read some books. Ha. Oh, yeah. What more shall we say about Thomas? He gave away a couple extra dollars every now and again. What more shall we say about Thomas? He raised his hands in worship. Wow. What more shall we say about Thomas? He changed the time and the place where the choir sings. Oh, wait, that has been hard. But to follow God, to honor God, means that you have to do hard things for God means that you were going to be asked to do hard things by God. And we have to understand that, and here's the reason why. Most people will lose their faith. They will walk away from the church when things get hard, right? When the storms come, when the blessings run dry, when the bottom falls out, when the ask is too big. Why? Because we assume hard things are bad things. We assume that, that when hard things come, well, it proves that our faith isn't real, or worse, that God isn't real. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hard things are not bad things. And hard things don't prove anything. Except that you are doing something for God. See, like Daniel, we have been taken captive by an enemy who wants to brainwash us so that we will compromise and forget who we are and whose we are. There's nothing easy about that, church. Babylon's not for wimps. But in Jeremiah 32, 27, we learn that the phrase too hard, yeah, that's not in God's vocabulary. And therefore, because God is always with you, we're going to start learning next week because God is literally in you, that phrase should not be in you either. There is no such thing as too hard. You can do it. You can do whatever God is asking you to do. You know why? Because you have faith. And faith ain't easy. But you can still do it. Something else you need to know is that faith is not based on emotions. If you want to be full of it now and for the rest of your life, you've got to understand that your faith is not based on your emotions. Shortly after Becca and I were married, a friend told us that there were going to be days in our marriage where we didn't like each other. There were going to be days where we didn't want to be married anymore. And I looked at him and I was just shocked. I was like, how, how dare you say that? It's like, I will love this woman each and every moment of every single day of my entire life. And then I bent her down and I was like... Then came the first major fight. Ah. Then came the first major misunderstanding. 
Then came that giant snowstorm that forced us to stay home together for four straight days. <laughs> then came the ups and the downs and the sideways of ministry and marriage. And actually, I learned he was right. There were days where I, I didn't feel it. But that didn't mean I was supposed to give up on it. See, that didn't mean I could just walk away from it. That didn't undermine the validity of the importance of it. That kiss was so romantic, it messed up my microphone, man. Ooh, that was hot. You see, feelings, they're fickle. We see that with children all the time, don't we? My daughters can go from laughing to crying to screaming to laughing again before I even know why they were laughing in the first place. They tend to get hangry. It's what we call you when you're hungry and angry at the same time. The new Snickers commercials, they depict that perfectly, don't they? Man, eat this. You get cranky when you're hungry. But the truth is we all get cranky. And not just when we're hungry. We get cranky when we're tired, when we're bored, when we're homesick, when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're disappointed. Our emotions change like the winds. Just ask your phone. Like, really? You feel that way now? Just a few seconds ago, you felt completely different. Okay, I guess, boop. That's why we don't base our faith on our feelings. We base it on God's word. We base it on God's promises. We base it on God's truth, on God's track record. I have to believe that's how Daniel made it through 75 years in Babylon. I mean, you think he felt like serving a king who raided his country and killed his family? You think he felt like eating uh, stale bread and vegetables when steak and lobster were on the menu? You think he felt like standing toe-to-toe with the king and saying, unless you humble yourself, you are going to be humbled. You think he felt like walking into the furnace? You think he felt like being uh, or cuddling up with the carnivorous kitties? You think he felt like doing that stuff? I'm sure he felt like I would have felt in all that stuff. He felt like yelling, screaming, pitching a fit, having a temper tantrum. He felt like questioning, giving up, giving in. That's how you would feel. But luckily for us, Daniel didn't base his faith off of how he felt. He based it off of something much more stable, something much larger. We base our faith on God's promises and what we've seen God do in the past. I once heard someone describe it this way. We serve a God who is best seen in the rearview mirror. See, sometimes it's hard to see through the windshield where God is taking you. Sometimes it's hard to look out the windows and to see what God is up to. But if you look in the rear view you will always see that God has been with you. Always. See, no one feels like going into a lion's den. That doesn't give you like the Holy Spirit goosebumps, like, ooh, I'm feeling the Spirit right now. Come on, let's go in the lion's den. You don't feel that. But you do it. Because you know. You you know that God came through when you decided to take a stand against mindless consumption. You know that God was with you when you spoke hard words to somebody else. You know that God was with you right there in the flames. You remember that. You see him in the rear view. So that uh, propels you forward. That allows you to make progress moving forward. Because you see him. You see what he's done in the past. And that gives you hope for the present and for the future. And he's blowing outside right now. He is ready to move. So faith is every day. Faith is not easy. Faith is not based on emotions. And lastly, faith, well, it should be evident. I love that recently on social media in particular, people have been saying things about our candidates. I just wish they would separate their faith and their their religious views from their political stance. We're not talking about religion here. We're not talking about church here because you just talk about politics instead. 
And I kind of want to chime in, like, separate your faith from your, from your politics. That's impossible. If your faith is real, if your faith is true, if your faith is at the center of who you are, then you're never going to be able to separate it. Faith is a part of everything you do. That's why Paul says, whether you're drinking a cup of coffee or eating a donut, do it for the Lord. Faith should be a part of every single thing you do. Not only should it be part of what you do, it should be obvious to other people as you do it. Look at 1 John 3, 18. Dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech or just little candies or sweet notes on Valentine's Day. Let us not just love in an easy way. Let us love with action and in truth. You see, with action, your faith should be evident and obvious to other people. And, and th- this is true for Daniel's life, is it not? I mean, Daniel's known for one thing. He's like... He's that Christian guy. Daniel is the God-fearer. Everybody knows him for this one thing. Every time he's been described in this book, it's as the God-fearer. He's not described as being like a nice guy. He's not that caring person. He's not the religious guy. He's not that spiritual person. He's the God-follower. That's his only identity marker. And people knew about his faith. See, because of his faith, he did certain things. Because of his faith, he didn't do other things. Because of his faith, he had wisdom and words when others didn't. Because of his faith, he had courage and conviction when others lacked it. You'd be a fool if you stood next to Daniel and watched him and didn't see his faith. You'd be a blind fool if you didn't see it play out. I'm not sure if this is a habit or not, but I love how Daniel like breaks this decree. Says he goes upstairs in front of his open window where everybody can see him. And he just gets on his knees and starts praying. Now, maybe it's because he's 90. I heard when you get older, like, you could care less what other people think about you. Like, I'm going to pray and I don't care. I think he cared deeply about what others thought about him. But more than that, I think he cared deeply about what others thought about his God. And so he said, I'm going to show you what faith is. Now, I don't want you to hear me say that we need to be like the Pharisees, right, who who used to pray out loud during the days of Jesus, like, I'm so spiritual, listen to me pray, or here's my gift to God, I'm giving so much today. Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah, it was two zeros on it, ha ha. Nah, we don't want to do that. Jesus spoke against that, didn't he? He said, that's hypocritical. You're doing that for the show. But Jesus also said, your faith is like light. Your faith is like salt. It should be seen. It should be evident to others. And do you know why, guys? It has the power to change others. I love that King Darius, in this, in this story, he issues a decree. No one prays to anybody but me. Go back and read the rest of the chapter this week. At the very end of this chapter, guess what the new decree is? No one prays to anybody but God. See, Daniel's faith, as it was lived out in a very tangible, everyday kind of thing, as he walked through difficult things, as he did things he didn't feel like doing, as he did that, he changed the lives of the people around him. He brought them to faith. Do you realize you have that same ability? Do people have some strange views of God in our culture? Um, yes. Do you have the power and ability through your faith being lived out every day as you walk through hard things, as you press on even though you might not feel it, do you have the ability to change their complete understanding of God? Um, yes, you do. I want you to see that. I want you to know it. I want you to believe it. All right, last thing I want you to know about faith, and we'll wrap it up this morning. Our faithfulness to God, it's actually not rooted in in us. It's not about us. Our faithfulness to God is rooted 
in his faithfulness to us. See, our faith to him, oh man, it fails miserably in comparison to his faith in us. Look at these passages, 2 Timothy 2. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. Lord, you are my God, Isaiah says. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness you've done wonderful things. And the psalmist saying, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. See, even when I take the easy way out, even when I do let my feelings change who I am, even when I'm not faithful every single day, even when my faith is not evident, guess what? God is still faithful to me. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? It's an amazing truth. It's an amazing reality that he would continue to be for me and with me and in me, even though sometimes I don't want anything to do with him. That's what I love about the Christian faith. It's actually not about our faithfulness to Christ. The Christian faith is about God's faithfulness to you as seen in Christ. He's faithful to you. He always has been, and he always will be. He is so faithful to you. The cross proves that our God is full of it. Oh, he's full of it, man. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's full of love. And he's full of faithfulness. Even when and even though sometimes we're not. So the greatest way that we can honor a God who's full of it is to seek to be full of it ourselves and to give it back to him. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. We're going to spend the rest of the morning in some worship and Kim and the band are going to lead us in that. And as they're doing that, I'm going to ask some of our trained Stephen ministers to be down front. I'm going to make myself available as well. Because I want to spend the next 15 minutes with you guys just singing and praising and praying. that sound all right with you? You're not going to go outside anyways. 40 mile an hour gusts out there. What are you going to do? So stay in here with us. The book of Daniel, I hope and I pray, has challenged you and convicted you to the core. We chose that word renewed because that was our prayer for you from January 1 until now that you would be renewed in your faith. And I want you to know that you're not alone in your faith. If you want help thinking about, praying about the stuff that you're going through, then this morning is the opportunity for you to do just that. If you want prayers this morning so that you can take a stand against materialism, against this consumer culture that's all around us, if you need prayers for that, come down and let's pray together that you would not eat everything the king is giving to you. If you want prayers this morning because you need godly wisdom, or, or maybe you feel like you've received godly wisdom and now you're being called to speak it over someone. If you want prayers for help in that moment, would you come down? Would you pray with us? If you want prayers because you feel like you're in a fiery furnace right now and someone just keeps cranking that heat up, if you want prayers because you're in a difficult spot, would you come down? Pray with us. Let us pray about that furnace with you. If you want prayers because you want to take the next step, you don't want to simply know about God, but you want to literally kneel before God like Nathan talked about last week. If that's you right now, if your heart was pumping last week, well, come on down. Let's pray together this morning. And if you want to pray this morning because you feel like your faith is weak, or let's phrase it positive. If you want to pray this morning because you want to be full of it, then come on down and let's pray together this morning. See, Daniel was faithful from age 16 all the way to age 90 because he knew that he wasn't alone in his faith. Him and his core of guys, they stuck together and they saw it through. And the same is true for you. You're not alone in this. So whether you need help with chapter one, chapter three, chapter six, if you want prayers for anything this morning, would you come down front? 
ask one of the ministers, ask me to pray for you, we will. Glad. Let me pray right now, and then we'll dive into it. Kim will take us away. Father, the book of Daniel is an amazing book, and we thank you that you have given it to us because it shows us how to follow you in a culture that doesn't really care much about you. But it's not easy, Lord. And so we ask now for courage, for conviction. We ask now, God, for uh, a desire deep within us to be Daniel today. We ask that you help us to stand against consumption, to stand against arrogance, to stand against uh, faithlessness, Lord. Help us to take stands for you. Help us to realize that you will pour into us and then pour out of us your Holy Spirit, your power, and your life. And it will not only change our lives, it will change the lives of everybody around us. So we lift this time up to you now, God. Help us to just encounter you and to experience you and to spend some time talking with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.